What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Touchdown! Oh, he's done it again! Now here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Really excited for today's show. Should be a lot of fun. We have a great guest. We'll talk a little bit more about Clyde edwards Elair. We'll talk about offensive lines with a former offensive lineman. So, yeah, can't get much better than that. Welcome to Fantasy Football Today. This is your Friday episode recording on Thursday afternoon, July 30th. You're hearing this. Uh, I think there are 31 days in July. Are there? Yes. Yeah, yes. all right. July 31st. Perfect. You knucklehead. <laughs> I'm Adam Azer, the knucklehead. Dave Richard and Heath Cummings are here. Where do you guys have Clyde edwards Zelaire? Ben and Jamie are taking him as RB6. What about you? I'm with them. RB6 and PPR. I'll take him seventh overall in non-PPR. I think you could make a good argument for RB6. I'm sure these guys did. I've got him eight right now in PPR, 11 in non-PPR. Wow, the low guy at RB8 and PPR. All right. And without any further ado, let's get our guests in here. Ross Tucker host of many podcasts, including the Fantasy Feast. He is a former NFL offensive lineman. He's a football analyst for CBS Sports Network. And I listened to your your most recent fantasy podcast. And just as one host to another, I got to say, like, it was really great, but your guests kind of sucked. You need to do a better job booking guests. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Don't talk about Joe Dolan that way. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) Well, listen, I appreciate you guys having me. It's great to be on. You guys have an awesome thing going. Uh, it was great to have Dave on the, the Fantasy Feast podcast today. He was amazing. I mean, that you know, you can tell he's been doing it for a long time. You can tell there's not a guy you can ask Dave about that he doesn't have an entire list of the pros and cons and exactly where he's got them rated. And I like guys. I'm really into guys that send me ahead of time. Here's the guys I'm higher on. And here's the guys I'm lower on. Because if you be, if we're being honest, right? Like that's what you care about. Like who, you know? Give me like takes that aren't. I think I think Christian McCaffrey should go one. Great podcast, Ross. Awesome, thank you. You know what I mean? Like I think I think the thing that's the things that are interesting to me when I go on fantasy podcasts. I usually talk O line A because I played it, and B. I do think that that's where I can provide some value. Now, I don't ever think that offensive line is like, that's why you should take this guy. That's why you should take that guy. I just look at it usually as like a tiebreaker. You know what I yes. mean? Like if you're if you're yes. torn between a couple guys, I look at O-line as, as a tiebreaker. And I also have really strong thoughts this year in particular based on my experience 
as a player for guys in their first year and even guys going into their second year that that we can get into. So awesome to be on. You guys kill it every day. Man, it's so funny. Like if you would have told me 10 years ago, I guess not 10 years ago now, gosh, 13 years ago, that I'd just be going on all kinds of fantasy podcasts and have my own fantasy podcast. So like as a lineman, you hate fantasy football. Like you hate it because it totally like invalidates what you do and only reinforces that the only guys that matter are the skill guys that get the ball and score touchdowns. It's like, wait, it's like, hold up a second. Okay. Number one, they already get to be skinny. Okay. Number two, they already got (laughs) their name in the paper every Saturday morning in high school and in college. And they got more girls than we did. All right. Number three, like, what what are we here? That they, they they're the ones to score the touchdowns and they get all the they don't they don't sell our jerseys, they sell their jerseys. Fantasy football just reinforces all of the stuff, skill guy, skill guy, skill guy. And yet here I am talking about it when we know when you really win and lose, a lot of it does have to do with the linemen. So anyway, thank you for letting me vent. Now all your fantasy listeners are all mad at me because I said I didn't love fantasy. It's funny, now that I'm done with it. Like with every year, I like fantasy more now because I get it. Like I I like to be an amateur GM, if you will. But when you're a player, you're like, oh, fantasy. Yeah, fantasy, especially (laughs) if you're a lineman. (laughs) Well, so take a running back, right? What percentage of his success is him and what percentage of his success is his offensive line? That is a fantastic question. Um I had a lot of good running backs. Dave will remember all these guys. Heath and Adam, you guys are younger, but <laughs> no, uh, my, he's my, not that my rookie year, my rookie year, Stephen Davis led the NFC in rushing. We remember. Yeah. Uh, my second year, I started seven games. The guy behind me was a guy named Emmett Smith. I started seven games for the Cowboys. You know what's funny? Yeah. Two things. One is anytime I talk to a Cowboys fan and they'll say, I'm the biggest Cowboys fan ever. I'll be like, oh, yeah. Who started the last seven games at left guard in 2002? <laughs> and, they, and they never know. They never know. I'm like, well, you can't be that big of a fan then. Um, the thing is, the thing that's funny about Emmett that I say to people, and I don't remember what kind of fantasy guy. I mean, I'm guessing Dave, like in the 90s, he was a beast. Oh, yeah. He was the first like round when pick. When fantasy first started. Yeah. But the thing I tell people about Emmett, so when I was there, it was his last year with the Cowboys. And I'm not kidding, guys. He's a small dude, mm-hmm. and he's slow. Like, when I was with him, <laughs> he was small and slow, but somehow got yards. Like, he was small and slow, and our O-line sucked. Out of the seven games I started, I got the highest grade in six out of the seven. That should not be the case. I promise you. that I, I should not be the highest grade. So, But he just – had this unbelievable feel for where the soft spot in the defense was and how to set up blocks and how to dip and duck and fall forward. I mean, we wouldn't block a soul and he'd get four yards. I'd be like, all right. So in that instance, I would say the running back has a lot to do with it. In Washington, we blocked pretty good. Buffalo, I had a couple beasts, dude, beasts. Uh, 2003 was primarily Travis Henry, and he was an absolute monster. 
I mean, one we, we hit like 180 yards against the Jets with a cracked fibula in his leg. And we were like yelling at the Jets, like, you know, he's got a broken leg right now. And he just had, <laughs> he just had another 20-yard run. <laughs> like, what are you guys even doing? And then in 04, that was Willis McGahee's year. Yeah. Uh, and that's the thing. That's the other thing that people are surprised by. People would be like, who do you prefer blocking for? Because I started 13 games in 04. Who for blocking for? McGahee or Travis Henry? And I'm like, dude, you realize like when I'm in there, they're behind me in the huddle. I don't even know who's in. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't know who the running back is till the end of the play if I go help them up or something. Uh, but those guys were both awesome. Uh, McGahee in particular had a lot of Emmett Smith to him in that like he always fell forward, always got three to five yards, even when he probably – should not have. Um, and then 07 with the pay, with the Redskins, it was Clinton Portis, five and six. Five was uh, Patriots, Corey Dillon. Six was Patriots, so I got traded to Cleveland, Ruben Drones. Um, I'd, say, I'd say on a scale of one to ten, I'd say the O-line, it's probably about five and five. I'd say O-line is six. Running backs probably four. Like you'd rather have, I think you'd rather have an awesome offensive line and average running back as opposed to an average offensive line and awesome running back. But I think I think reasonable minds might disagree there. I mean, if you have an awesome offensive line, no matter who you put in there, you're getting That's yards. That's it. Yeah. That's right. Unless right. it's me. And, you know, you're not getting any yards with with a bad player, but with a professional running back. Yes. Yeah. And we've seen it. We, we there have been, you know, Alex Collins with the Ravens once upon a time really wasn't that great of a running back, but he was in a great spot with a really good offensive line. Mm-hmm. So, well, and, and to he's your like point, that all the time. Right. And to your point, and sometimes it's even system. Like I was on the sideline. I was on the sideline this year for the NFC championship game. Packers, Niners. I've never seen – first of all, I don't think I've ever been in an NFL game where a team just ran over the other team like that. Secondly, Raheem Mostert, I mean, guys, I'm on the sideline, and Kurt Warner's in the booth. Every time he got the ball in the first half, it looked like he was going to score a touchdown. Like, it was like if the safety didn't make the tackle, he was gone. I mean, it was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. He looked like – he was shot out of a cannon. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, Raheem Mostert is the greatest running back alive. <laughs> and then you're like, okay, the dude's been cut 12 times by 10 teams. So um, that's kind of a loaded question, but a good one. You know, so I actually what, uh, I just want to throw a stat out there. Um, I think this was from ESPN. Mostert averaged 3.6 yards before contact. The only running back who averaged more yards before contact last year was Matt Breida. So system matters. Offensive right. line certainly matters. You know, Dave, I, I just I want to make sure because before we got on the air, Ross said something really interesting that I have to get to. He said he was going to pick apart Heath's rankings, and there's just no way I can wait anymore. We gave Ross some of our ra- our rankings. He looked through them. He has some call outs for Heath Cummings. Let's get to it. What stood out to you? Well, so by the way, the rankings that Dave sent me are Jamie, Dave, and Heath. I don't have yours, Adam. Neither do so- I. I could just slaughter Jamie because he's not even here to defend himself, <laughs> which would be fun. But Heath, now I'll tell you this much, Heath, okay? 
I respect your rankings because they're not like chalk ADP rankings and there's some a decent amount of variance. Like you have your own opinion. Jamie and Dave's rankings are like they copied off of each other. It's like <laughs> Jamie and Dave's rankings are like when I was in college at Princeton and I'd be like, okay, let me put Kamara number four. What does Jamie have? Okay. <laughs> Dalvin Cook five. Okay. Let me write that in. I mean, you're Dave, you're and Jamie are like, it's like you did it together. Heath at least has some originality. The problem is Heath. It's garbage. It's not good, bro. <laughs> I mean, in what world, in what world is Derrick Henry number three? Now, uh, let, let's just start with that. Okay. I, I'm a, I, I love physical running backs. I love guys that pound. I, I was at the, uh, I called the game for Westwood where they beat the Ravens. Like I love Derrick Henry, but the third guy in fantasy football trash this year? trash yeah i mean he explain explain yourself on your own show it sounds like dave sent you the non-ppr rankings and that is the world where derrick henry is number three where catches don't count i still think like the titans had too much success last year to change what they're going to do derrick henry's going to get 300 carries going to run for 1400 yards and he's going to score double digit touchdowns that makes you maybe he's number four or five but that makes you a top five running back if catches don't count well but yards in the passing game still they do count yeah. that's correct um uh, and i didn't know i didn't know this was non-ppr so that helps you a little bit Still, still no. I mean, still no. <laughs> they, 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 you still can't put him ahead of Zeke. Like, I, that I don't understand. Yeah, that's wild, Heath. That's wild, man. And, and the, other I mean, thing is, the other thing is, Heath, like, they lost Jack Conklin. That's a big loss in my mind at right tackle. The other thing is, I love Derrick Henry's style, but he just got his contract now. And... There's not a really good track record of guys with his style lasting all that long. Now, maybe this is the next year that he's still like, – here's what I'll say to you, Heath. If he has 300 carries and 1,400 yards this year, I will fade him in any fantasy and betting way you can possibly fade a human being next season in 2021. With his size and his battering ram style, those guys just don't last long. I mean, we love watching Christian Okoye and Barry Foster and all these guys, but like every time NFL dudes bounce off of you, it looks sweet when they bounce off of you, but that still hurts you. That, that's still bad for your body. So I just wonder if he can keep up that pace and if they can keep having the lead like they did in those games – so he gets those carries because if they're not, you know, they're going to have to throw it more. He doesn't give you very much in the passing game. So I would have Derrick Henry lower. I don't have rankings. I have O-line rankings, but I would have Derrick Henry lower for sure. There's no chance I'd have him ahead of Zeke Kamara and Dalvin Cook. Ross, is it your experience that football players, they're working hard to get paid, and then once they get that – huge contract, they just take their foot off the gas? I wouldn't say that. I would just say it's a really tough sport. Like, I mean, it, it's, it is a physical grind. Just, I mean, I tore my right MCL twice, broke my left hand, 
herniated disc in my back in Buffalo, L4, L5, L5S1, discectomy, laminotomy, foraminotomy, had a surgery. My career ended. I, I herniated my C5 and C6 in my neck against the Ravens, bruised my spinal cord. And the doctor, I said to the doctor, I'm like, what do you think? And he's like, I think you're 28. You went to Princeton. You have a bruised spinal cord. You should get a real job. I was like, okay. And I you will. became a fantasy um, football analyst, so you obviously didn't listen to that. <laughs> I, you know, I haven't seen that guy in a while, but I want to – I mean, I, I was 28, right? Now I'm 41, but I want to be like, still no real yeah. job, bro. Still no real job. I'm in, my, I'm in my detached garage with my game balls behind me just talking on podcasts, Ross Tucker football podcast, whatever, loving life. Um, so I say this about D-Lyman a lot. I think there's some truth to it with running backs. I believe you have to dangle a carrot. Those the, the physical punishment and the effort needed at those positions is so significant that there's really not a good – I mean, think about Todd Gurley. Think about David Johnson. Sure. I can give you a lot of D linemen, Albert Hainsworth over the years, Dana Stubblefield – those positions are so strenuous and take so much out of you because of the punishment that you really have to have that carrot dangling in front of you that you're chasing. Once the guy gets the carrot, once he eats the carrot, I, there, there's a long history of them not being as productive. And the Titans – for whatever reason, they just gave Derrick Henry the carrot, and he just ate it. And it's $25 million fully guaranteed over the next two years. That's probably all they're going to get out of him. Now, you know, there's outliers. Bettis had a, a, you know, a style and, and played for a while. But, I mean, the way Derrick runs – and that's the other thing, too. You go back to the playoffs. I feel like everybody's remembering the playoffs. Those holes – were gigantic. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the guy. He, yes. he he's like the most beautiful looking football player I've ever seen. <laughs> like the first time I saw him, I was like, "Who is this D end?" Yeah. I, it was at the yeah. draft, I think. I'm like, "Who's yeah. this?" And, and they're like, "Who's this tight end?" They said, "That's Derrick Henry." I'm like, "You've got to be kidding me!" I mean, yeah. he's like six three and a half, two fifty, and like shredded out of his mind. So when you give him a seven yard runny. When they kept running to the left side behind Saffold and Taylor Lewan, you give him that seven-yard runny and nobody hits him until he's got a 10-yard head of steam, he's going to get some yards. I just – I don't know if they're going to be able to block up from that well again. I don't know if he's going to have those holes and he just ate the carrot. bunch of different reasons why I'm not as high as Heath is. Okay. Any, anything else? This, this is very fun. Anything else you'd like to call out Heath for? Um, yeah, well, first of all, I agree with Dave in having Zeke over Saquon. So this is another thing Thank I'm calling you. Heath out because Heath has Saquon as number two. I'll say this, by the way, I'm going to make a bold claim here before I forget. <laughs> now he's number one. He should be number one. But I wrote an article earlier this offseason for the athletic if you look at how many more snaps Christian McCaffrey had last year than any other running back, not just touches, I mean plays on the field, it's like he played four or five more games than most running backs. 
And the year before, he got a lot of touches too. So he's still young. I think he'll be fine. I think he will. But it's a lot. I mean, you guys have to tell me, you know, you go back to Priest Holmes, you go back to Tomlinson. How many years in a row did they have? Like, Dave, I'll ask you this, right? Like, the guys that are like the guy, what's the longest run you've ever seen of them being the guy? Tomlinson is probably it. I mean, all the great ones tend to last uh, at least eight years. They play eight years at a high level. Uh, the study that I did on it, and I've been doing the study now for over a decade, it's right around 2,100 career touches before a running back really starts to slow down. To me, it's not necessarily about their age. You know, everybody talks about, well, when they turn 30 years old, they, they turn to crap. It's not necessarily that because guys – have been in the league that have kind of proven that to not be the case, but usually it's eight years. You can squeeze eight years, especially if it's a running back that's got good prowess out of the backfield can catch the ball. Um, like McCaffrey can like Ladinian Tomlinson could priest Holmes didn't have it for eight years though. Injuries did catch up with him. Yes. It, it seemed to me like when I'm talking about guys being the number one fantasy pick that that only lasts a couple of years usually. But mm-hmm. I, I think it's important to not just look at touches because he was on the field for 250 more snaps than anybody other than Leonard Fournette and Deke Elliott. 250 snaps. So if a running back is on a field for 50 snaps a game, that's like five games that he was on the field. So just something to keep in mind. Um but I like Zeke. I And look, I'm from Pennsylvania. I've met Saquon multiple times. I watch every snap Penn State plays. I love Saquon Barkley. Unbelievable kid. Everything about him. And I, and I will say, Heath, to your favor and Jamie's favor, he was banged up for a lot last year. So if he's healthy this year, that's huge in his favor. But I also feel like sometimes – We should just be numbers-driven. I feel like sometimes Saquon's big play potential and highlight-worthy plays overshadow Zeke's consistent greatness. You know, Zeke doesn't have that many plays that make you drop, you know, make your jaw drop. Whereas Saquon has, like, won a game. I would go Zeke probably at two, like Dave, instead of Saquon, like Heath and Jamie. I think Zeke, like I see some of these running back lists where like Zeke's like eight. What are you talking about? I mean, it's almost like people are bored of Zeke and that his consistency doesn't excite people as much as some of the home runs some of these other guys can hit. So Zeke has averaged around a 90% success rate over his career in non PPR fantasy league. So he's getting you at least double digit fantasy points, non PPR 90% of the time it's unheard of. That makes him an easy guy to go with over Saquon Barkley and non PPR. And it's a lot closer in PPR, but this is what it comes down to for me, Ross. Would I rather have the running back that plays twice a year against the Cowboys or the running back that plays twice a year against the I keep Giants? telling you the Giants have a better run defense That's than the great, Cowboys. But the Cowboys are going to have the lead in that game and they're going to be able to and, run but the But Barkley's going to come off the field? 
No, the the Cowboys can control the clock in those games, and Zeke will have a better. I mean, that's going to be the case in every game for the Giants. Like they've been bad for years. Barkley was the number one running back years ago. All the more reason to go with Zeke, who's just been been a little bit more consistent. These are Heath's rankings. Guys, guys, guys. Heath Heath get in there. Yeah, yeah, guys. We're we're trying to bash Heath here. Okay, yeah, yeah. Remember what? (laughs) Let's remember what the theme is. So Heath, Miles Sanders at thirteen. Have you seen him play football? Oh yeah, this is I a good one. Yeah, 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 yeah. This did is you watch the second half of last year? <laughs> Adam is I loving did. this. Have you seen? Have you seen the other running backs that the Eagles have right now? Their backup running back is Boston Scott. I happen to like Boston Scott, but Miles Sanders is—he's he, going to be Brian Westbrook for the Eagles this year. To have him at thirteen is a little bit of a head scratcher for me. I'll let you. I'll let you talk to that. Then I then I got some Chiefs ones for you, but. Miles Sanders, go. Yeah, I would just say Doug Peterson, he might stick for a full season with a feature back. A lot of what we saw last year, even when Sanders took off, Boston Scott was still getting nine touches a game. They've done that with Corey Clement. They've done it with Wendell Smallwood. There's always some other back there getting seven to eight, nine, ten touches a game. It was okay last year because they didn't have any wide receivers. They threw 15 times a game to their running backs, and there were plenty of touches for Sanders to be a top five running back and Boston Scott to still be heavily involved. I think they'll have a couple of wide receivers this year. I'm not sure there's quite as many targets there. Sanders has top five upside, certainly, but there's just a little bit more risk than there are with the other guys in the top 12. Got it. So I I, I think he's going to carry a heavy load um, I think it'll be the closest they've been to like LaShawn McCoy's workload or Westbrook, uh, certainly since Peterson's been there. And I think the receivers are better. You know, we'll, we'll see what uh, Jalen uh, Rager is able to do. Um, we'll see what Deshaun Jackson does come back from injury. I, I don't know. I, I think Sanders is going to get a lot of usage. Um, and I thought, I thought your chiefs rankings were, were interesting. And I specifically wanted to ask you about Travis Kelsey at 11. So what I do in a lot of my drafts, I tend to take Kelsey or Kittle. I, I, I like having a stud tight end. So I do a lot of best ball drafts. I like having a stud tight end. So feels like in the second round, I see who else is out there and there's still a bunch of receiver, a bunch of running backs. And like, I want to get one of the two best tight ends. I might be with you on this one, Heath. I just think it's interesting. Kelsey at 11 is way higher than your buddies. Oh, yeah, it is. And it's even, I think it's probably five or six spots higher than ADP. But you just look at the advantage he's given you over the last four years at that position. He produces like a top six wide receiver, top eight wide receiver, and a top 10 running back. And the difference is, the replacement cost at tight end is like the number 50 or number 60 wide receiver. Like you can get a bunch of wide receivers in the middle of the draft that will get you much closer to a second round wide receiver. Then you can do the same with tight ends and Travis Kelsey. So well, let me clarify. He's 11th for you in non PPR. I believe that's correct. Okay. Yes. Because the, I just, he is not a top 10 running back in non PPR In PPR hundred percent. Right. He does perform that way, but, and he doesn't have to be to justify that, that draft spot. Right. But, but um, yeah, in, in non PPR, he's more like fifteenth or lower most years. Uh, I just did, I just looked that up the other day. Uh, you got to understand, Ross. Heath is a Chiefs fan, so of course you know he's going to push them all up. You know. Well, well, hold on a second though. 
he's he's way lower on Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Oh, not anymore, than, or is he? Than than Dave and Jamie are. So that's what I thought was interesting is he has both Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey ranked ahead of Clyde Edwards Hilaire, which I thought was interesting. You know, we know the running back position, the points that they garner. So again, Mr. Heath, you have the floor. This, I think, will get to one of the points that we really wanted to talk to you about, and it's the rookies in this offseason. And like, I have moved Clyde Edwards-Hilaire up into, like in PPR, I've got him at the end of the first round, and non-PPR, I've got him in the middle of the second round. There's certainly top three or four, maybe top five upside but I am still a little bit concerned about all of these rookies. And if this was a normal offseason and he'd had rookie camp and he'd had OTAs and he was going to play in the preseason and get a full training camp, I would probably have him higher than both those guys by the time we got to the start of the season. But I'm just a little bit worried he's going to have to share more than he normally would as he learns to play in the NFL in regular season games. Well, so there's a lot there. I would say in general, right? if you want a strategy or a philosophy for this season, and this is not like groundbreaking, I'll tell you the thing I think that people might find a little more interesting in a minute, but I would shy away from, again, these are usually just tiebreakers, if you will, kind of like we were talking about the offensive line before the show started. So these are more tiebreakers, but not loving teams with new offensive coordinators, new head coaches, new quarterbacks, you know, I'm not loving rookies. Uh, I'm not loving, and this is the one that's a little bit different. I'm not loving second year guys as much as I normally would. So this is a personal anecdote, but my first year and I was an undrafted rookie, but I was kind of like, Oh my gosh, this is crazy. There's Jeff George and there's Bruce Smith and Daryl green, like happy to make the team, right? Like happy to make the team. When we came out for the second year, like OTAs and minicamp, and I had a year under my belt, and I lifted weights for four months and was ready, I took the field my second year. Like, I'm the, I belong. I'm the baddest dude out here. Yeah, that's Bruce Smith. I'm going to go kill him, and I'm going to go kill LeVar Aaron. Like, the mindset for me was so different from year one to year two, and I'm, I, I don't know – if these guys will be impacted by not building up that confidence more in year two in the off season. So I would say when in doubt, stay away from the rookies, stay away from guys that have new quarterbacks, guys that are in new places, all that stuff, new offensive coordinators. But I would even say if it's a tiebreaker between a second year guy and a fourth year guy or six year guy, I just wonder if some of these guys won't take as much of a second-year leap as they normally would have because of you know the truncated offseason. Well, I think that's like that. That points to one of the debates that we're going to have a lot over the next month, and it's Clyde Edwards-Helaire against Miles Sanders against Josh Jacobs in or at least a non-PPR. Maybe in PPR it will be for the first two at least. I, I think it will be really interesting to see if Edwards-Helaire ends up ahead of Sanders in terms of ADP. And and you guys you guys know this, but pass protection is really important. Patrick Mahomes, I don't know how to tell you guys this, but he's kind of a big deal. And the Chiefs want to make sure that he doesn't get hurt. 
Edwards Hilaire might get eight padded practices before the first game. The problem is, I don't know if the Chiefs trust the other guys they have. You know, it's one thing for me to say that, like, I don't know if they I don't know if they're gonna trust Clyde Edwards Hilaire in pass protection, but who are they gonna trust? I mean, you know, none of these guys have been there that long, have that many reps doing it, are that familiar with it. It's scary no matter what. I guess I just if those padded practices, if the first few padded practices he's getting smoked by linebackers and safeties and or doesn't know what he's doing, that's problematic. And he might not end up being out there for as much of the third down action as we think he will be because of how good of a receiver he is. So let's just talk about this whole situation in general. And what are the rookies missing? Not having had rookie mini camps, not having been around their teammates really that much. And then no preseason games, but in a, in uh, you know in a trade off of no preseason ga- preseason games they do get I guess like a longer training camp and more practices though they're going to wait a while to put on pads but you know how, what are they missing and how big of a deal do you think this is? They're missing an awful lot. I think it's a huge deal. You know, back when I played, there was NFL Europe, and the reality is, guys that went to NFL Europe. Once there was 12 or 14 OTAs and too many camps, guys that went to NFL Europe, they never made the team. Never. They only used them for the roster exemption because if you miss those 20 practices in the spring, you're you're so far behind everybody else because you've already put in the whole offense You've repped it. So those guys, not only do they miss the 20 practice, and I know they're doing Zoom meetings. I got news for you. We're going to find out real early this season which guys are good Zoom learners and which guys aren't, <laughs> okay? Because there are some guys that they can do it on Zoom, like we're talking right now, and they can see it. There's a lot of guys, they got to be on the grass. They got to actually be out there and physically doing it. So they miss 20 practices, and by the way, the 20 walkthroughs before the 20 practices. That's like 40 times where they can physically go through their assignment and what they're asked to do. Then you get to training camp. You know, they're not even putting the pads on till like August 16th or something. All they're doing is lifting weights. All they're doing is lifting weights. That doesn't help you. You know, you need that muscle memory of actually being out there And I'm sure they'll have walkthroughs or whatever. So I just think, especially when it comes to pass protection, the running backs are missing a lot. I'm sure they'll try to get as much seven-on-seven work in as they can so that young receivers, young tight ends can work with young quarterbacks, et cetera, to try to get the timing down. But here's what I'll leave you guys with. Not leave you guys with on this topic. (laughs) There's a there's a, a like peace. Uh, there's a reason why Tom Brady had all those practices in Tampa in June. Sure, there's a reason, right? Like the NFLPA comes out and says it's a bad idea, guys. The next day, Brady posts on so- no excuses. You know what I mean? Like the guy's 43. He's the best player ever, and he's still it. It's it's important. Like you got to be on the same page with your quarterback and the skill guys. You got to know what the guy's going to do. You don't even you guys don't even need me to tell you 
how much those reps matter, just look at what Brady did. He didn't care. Cam, Cam Brady got COVID. Brady's like, uh, get him out of here. Bring in OJ Howard and Gronk. Like he, 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 it, he, he told you with his actions, it's critically important. And so that didn't have that, the rookies, the new guys, and these other teams, they're in major, major trouble, especially the first month of the season, which, by the way, there, there could end up being value there, right? So people are going to start to freak out on some of these new guys and some of these rookies the first month of the season when, when they might be slow. You might be able to make some trades in <laughs> early October that really pay off later in the year. Wow. Those guys just need that time. See, Heath, you guys have a lot more in common than, than we thought. I was going to say, like, <laughs> the whole purpose was him destroying my rankings, and then I was just pushing him towards the thing that I wanted to talk about because he said, I, I love it, every bit of it. Um, make those trades after the first month, for sure. Uh, Ross, let's talk about your offensive line rankings. Uh, what what can you tell us? What's What stands out there? What do we need to know? So I think a lot of people intuitively know who, like, the top lines are and who the bad lines are. I, I think what needs to be discussed is the lines that there's a lot of a difference from how we thought of them last year. I think that's what matters, right? Yeah. Because everybody kind of knows Cowboys have a good line, the Saints, blah, blah, blah. Colts. And then they know the teams that have terrible offensive lines. They know the Bengals, the Chargers. the This year, actually, uh, the Washington football team um, and there's even more stuff now with Nate Solder and Marcus Cannon opting out. I mean, this I, I'm having to update this thing on the regular. What I would tell you is tremendous value, especially this year, in teams that have the same five guys back. So while a lot of people might have the Colts at three or four, Colts are my number one offensive line this year, number one. Because on every play – you are working in concert with the guy next to you. Not just communication, but like a feel for it. It's one of the reasons why your podcast is so successful. You guys kind of know when he's going to talk or when Adam or when, you know, Dave, like, because you've done it together a lot. The first time you did it, you're like kind of looking at each other. You step on each other a little bit. The Colts, they'll never step on each other. They, they are in sync. So teams that I'm higher on than other people are the Las Vegas Raiders. They got a good O-line. I mean, Hudson's a stud. Trent Brown's good. Incognito had a great year. The Las Vegas Raiders have a top 10 offensive line in my mind, and all five guys are back. For whatever reason, you don't see that a lot of other places, but that's a big one for me. Um, I also think that the Houston Texans, last year at this time, I had them number 32. They were kind of the, the butt of all the jokes, right? Then they traded for Laramie Tunsil, and it's like, okay, so now they're one good guy, one decent guy, and three terrible guys. Well, you know what? They kind of got better during the year. They, they kind of were okay. They had some young guys. You know, like Max Sharping and Titus Howard out there playing and doing pretty well. Now, I still have them at 20, but they got the same five back. Last year, they were a negative. This year, they're neutral. 
who knows, maybe they'll even end up being a positive. Now, on the flip side, the Philadelphia Eagles had the best offensive line in football last year. I mean, they, they were – Lane Johnson's awesome. Kelsey's awesome. Brandon Brooks was amazing. Sayamalo's pretty good. Peters was pretty good last year. This year, they have legitimate question marks at left tackle with Andre Dillard and with Jason Peters trying to move to right guard. Former teammate of mine, that's a big move. I've seen a lot of guys try to move from tackle to guard and fail miserably. So the Eagles go from being solidified at every spot to having two legitimate question marks. So that's another one to keep in mind. Those are the ones that really stand out to me. You know, the Chiefs now have issues at both guards, left and right, because of Laurent Duvarnay-Tardif going ahead and opting out. I love the, I love to try to sound cultured mm-hmm. when I say that. You nailed, um, nailed it. <laughs> when, I, when I do the pronunciation, you're just trying to fool everybody. But so not only do they have two guards, new guards, right? It messes with the communication on both sides. So the center and both tackles now have new guys working next to them. It doesn't sound like much, but it's the difference between both guys going up to the linebacker and leaving the nose tackle free to make a tackle on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the backfield. So those are the ones that, that probably stand out to me the most. Certainly the Jets and the Dolphins threw a lot of resources at it. I mean, they both like drafted and signed at least five O-linemen. So I like that. I like that they're investing in the position, but it's a lot of new faces and a lot of new bodies for having eight to 12 practices before the first game. Could I ask about two offensive lines quickly just to see where they're ranked? First one is Cleveland because they definitely addressed the offensive line. They had Conklin at right tackle, Jedrick Wills at left tackle. But I'm going to guess that you're not as high on them because they've got two new tackles, and that was a big problem spot last year, and maybe it'll take them a full year, maybe half a year. I don't know what you'll tell me uh, for them to really gel. And then the other offensive line that I had questions about is in Chicago and where you have the Bears offensive line because I think that line needs to be really good for David Montgomery to at least match what he did last year, if not beat what he did last year. So those two offensive lines. Yeah, good questions, Dave. I have the Cleveland Browns at 12. Most people have them in the top 10. But Jedrick Wills played right tackle at Alabama. Mm -hmm. Now you're having him play left tackle with eight padded practices maybe before he's actually out there going against it. We'll see. I mean, I don't know how much he practiced – in his left-handed stance this offseason, all those kind of things, probably a lot. But you still need to go against guys in pads to really get that feel for it. And then we'll see how Conklin does. You know, Conklin has kind of been up and down in his career, and I'm not sure he's worth the money that he got. And there is a track record of offensive tackles going to new schemes and not performing as well. Plus, now you have communication issues and continuity issues on both sides of the line. So I'm a little bit lower on them. I mean, I still have them 12. Petonio's a stud. J.C. Treader's pretty good. Wyatt Teller's all right. Um, But I have them lower than a little bit of people. Uh, The Bears are a problem. I mean, the Bears, first of all, I don't know why they got rid of Harry Heastand. I thought he was a good offensive line coach. I don't know what Castillo will be able to get done there. Kyle Long retiring, 
they're in a bad spot at right guard. I mean, a really, I mean, Rashad Coward should not be starting. And their solution was to sign Jermaine Affetti, who was a failure at right tackle in Seattle, and say, we'll put him at right guard. I, 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 like I said earlier with Jason Peters, I've seen that go poorly a lot of times. They keep swapping Daniels and Whitehair between center and left guard. I have no idea what they're doing. That's a terrible idea. And I even thought the tackles both took steps back last year. So I think, I don't know if I said the number, but I have them at 26. Uh, I don't think they're going to give you what you need for David Montgomery, Dave. All right. I got to one. Tell me if you agree with this, a little bit of a sleeper here. I know you like continuity. The Falcons, they drafted two rookies two drafts ago. They had some injuries last year at both guard spots. I'm hoping that those rookies from 2019 get better in 2020. Where do you have the Falcons? I have them at 17. Um, I think you make a good point. It really is going to come down to the right side and those second-year guys. I mean, they took two guys in the first round last year in – Chris Lindstrom and Caleb McGarry, both of them had their issues, right? Like they both were in and out of the lineup with injuries. They never really got a chance to play together that much. I think it's fair to say they were both probably disappointing. That's why I had them at 17. They have the potential though, Adam, to take a huge leap. Alex Mack is still a dude. Jake Matthews is solid. Carpenter at left guard is just kind of a guy. I wouldn't be surprised if, Jamon Brown and maybe even Matt Hennessy, the rookie from Temple, try to push him at left guard. I don't know why they paid Carpenter as much as they did, but it really is going to come down to the growth of those second-year guys. Falcons took him in the first round for a reason. They could take a big jump in year two and make the Falcons a top-10 offensive line. I like that they have all five guys back. The issue is what I was saying earlier about second-year guys and the lack of practice time for McGarry and Lindstrom. Well, this was this has been a lot of fun. I mean, what an awesome show this was. Thank you so much for coming on, Ross. Great stuff. We appreciate it, man. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. Anytime you want me to come on and bash Heath, I'm happy to do it. <laughs> um, and you're totally right, Adam. I'm, I'm thankful that he came on the Fantasy Feast podcast today, but – Dave has no idea what he's talking about. I mean, clearly, I was the star of that show and carried the show. No, I'm telling you, Dave is good, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was unbelievable. I usually keep the show about 30 minutes, but Dave was – I mean, we went for 40 because Dave had all kinds of info, and I was intrigued by him not liking Aaron Jones, Odell Beckham Jr. I love Odell Beckham Jr. this year, so I had to go at him for that. So, anyway – if, uh, if you're looking for an extra podcast, people listen to or watch the Fantasy Feast. If you need more Dave Richard in your life, because everybody mm-hmm. needs more Dave Richard in their lives. Sure. He, he Ross says I copy or whatever in my <laughs> rankings, but he mentions Zeke ahead of Saquon, which only I have. And he mentions how, I, uh, how, how I've how i got Odell and Aaron Jones lower. Well, maybe, maybe Jamie copies off of you. I don't think either of us copy off of I don't I don't remember Dude, yeah. looking at Jamie's rankings once before finishing my own. It happens every time Ross you're 100% right. I this every yes. time we do a rankings dispute it's always like okay, here are Heath's rankings cuz he's totally he's the only one who's different. You're they're, they're <laughs> simpatico. They've been working together for like 15 years. They're that offensive mean linemen. We copy off each other. They're That's a left ridiculous. guard and a left tackle working together. They just they're just simpatico, <laughs> man. They don't copy off each other, but they have similar rankings. 
Vikings. Ross Tucker, at Ross Tucker NFL. Great stuff. Make sure you check out the Fantasy Feast podcast and all of his other podcasts. And uh, thanks again for coming on. Have a great weekend. Yeah, my pleasure. You guys as well. Thanks for having me. We're going to take a quick break on fantasy football today. When we come back, we got your buy or sell. We got some emails, and I'll tell you about the first podcast I ever did with Dave Richard right after this. (laughs) The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, that was a lot of fun. And again, we thank Ross for coming on and love, you know, getting offensive line insight from an offensive lineman is really cool. I wanted to ask him about the the biggest meal he ever ate with a group of offensive linemen. I imagine there's a great story there, but uh, didn't didn't have time. The first time I did a podcast, do you remember our first podcast, Dave? No. I don't even know what year it was. It was uh, I don't two- even remember I don't even remember the exact year Jamie and I started podcasting, but I do remember that we were told when we started, like we went to somebody at CBS who was working there at the time and said, "We really want to start doing a fantasy podcast, uh, maybe once a week, that sounds good." And we were told podcasts aren't going to stick. They're not a real thing. <laughs> I bet I know. <laughs> we who were told like, you that. I don't know. But we ended up, I, I want to say it was like 07 or 08. Well, Jamie and I started. For me, it was 09. That was the first yeah. time I did a show with you. And it was just me and you. I think Jamie was out. So I filled in. We had this hideous mixer with these all these gross buttons on it. I remember that. And we were in that radio room in the old office. Yep. yep. And I just remember you said to me, like, we. Were, I was like, I don't know. Maybe I asked you a question. You go, ask me anything you want. And that was it. That was all I needed to know. Because I, I didn't know the depth of knowledge that fantasy analysts had. You know, no, you, the way you know all the depth charts, all the players you knew. Um, sure. And you asked me, ask me anything you want. You said, ask me about anybody you want, something like that. And that was the only advice you gave me. And then we just started the show. And, and there has there been a time in the year since where I've said to you, Oh, I'm not sure who that is. No, Tell no, of course Pretty not. Pretty rare, right? It doesn't happen very often. And the other thing that I'll say is <laughs> fantasy analysis has changed so much since 2007. I mean, it's it's crazy. Yeah. Just like how the data that we get now and the data that we lean on now is so much better than that guy's good. He's on a good team. Start him. Like we've, we've come a long way. Quite yeah. A bit. But I really realized at that point, uh, there's so there's just so much more to what you do than what anyone than what I had ever imagined. How old was um, I at that point? Twenty five. Now let's keep it up. Go Ask ahead, about anybody you want. I don't know, and I I recognize, and I apologize for earlier in the week breaking news during the podcast that was not actually breaking news, but this came from Adam Schefter. Bills rookies had been sent home hey. after their fifth rookie <laughs> tested positive for coronavirus. Ooh. Oh man. So that's not great, but no. if we're going to put a fantasy spin on that, let me let me uh, actually give you uh, 
give you something Maybe to talk just- about here. No, I understand what you're saying. Look, every COVID conversation we're going to have is awkward. So it's just we've been dealing it with baseball, Terrible. right? We've been dealing it with baseball. Who, you know, you have to talk about the fantasy analysis. Um, I was drafting today. We did a draft today, 14-team PPR, and I realized that for me right now, the toughest thing in fantasy is which running back to take in the 4-5 swing, um, which is a little bit different in a 14-team league, obviously. But I had determined, even before you told me this, that Devin Singletary was, after Jonathan Taylor was off the board, Devin Singletary out of, like, David Montgomery, Devin Singletary, Tariq Cohen, uh, Mark Ingram, Singletary was the one I wanted before all this. So I, I, that's just, I, everybody's going to have their personal preferences, but I like him a lot. Who's the running back that you guys look for? And you can include Cam Akers and DeAndre Swift in there as well. Uh, who's the running back you guys look for in that range? Would it now be Singletary? Do you think he kind of pushes up toward the top of that group? I took Singletary in round four of the very draft you're talking about. So yeah. I would say Singletary. Uh, for me, it's Ronald Jones. He's right in that range. I'd rather have Jones than Singletary at this point. There's one other thing to remember. Sending the rookies home now may not necessarily crush their progress in learning the offense because, remember, they're not getting on the field in pads until mid-August. <laughs> like I believe I, there was, there's one team out there. I, I can't remember which one it was. It might have been the Bears or the Giants. They, they don't plan on having any meetings or anything with any of their players till like August 9th. And then another one does just the, the other team, whether it's the Bears, or the Giants, they don't plan on doing anything team related until mid-August. But, so sending players yes. home now, if it's only for you know a couple of days, I don't think it really makes a difference. I, I believe the thing that was negotiated, though, with this whole thing was that players would get they have to pass the test and then be gone for a couple of days and then pass a test. Correct. And then they get a ramp up period of 20 days where it's just weights and walkthroughs because they wanted all the players to have enough time to do all the physical things before they had to go hit. Okay. I would presume their ramp up period would start after they come back. And this is not part of their ramp up period. I don't think the ramp up period is a mandatory period that every player gets. I think the ramp up period is just a general part of training camp that every team has. You know, it's like if, if players show up for training camp, they pass the physical. That's not my understanding at all. But okay, well then maybe I'm wrong, and, and well, one we need to look into it. I could be too. Say anything else? Okay. Right, well, we'll, we'll, we'll you know we'll let's table it, it till Monday. next podcast. Absolutely, we'll, we'll know more. Um, okay. All right, so so we'll follow all these developments. There might even be a bonus pod that breaks over the weekend. We'll keep you posted. Let's finish the show with some buy or sell, see if we have time for emails. I really want to get the emails, so let's go quickly on these. Give me a little bit of analysis. Buy or sell, Joe Burrow can be a top eight quarterback. It's from Robert Thomas. Joe Burrow can be top eight this year. Not this year. Sell. Buy, and as in could, because um, that was a word he was used. Yeah. Uh, okay. Give me the give me the percentage chance that it happens, Heath. Twenty five from Texas Bruins sixty seven. Carson Wentz will finish as a top five quarterback. I'm going to sell that as well. I think I think it's like a sixty percent chance he does not. Forty percent chance he does, but that means sell. Um, I'm going to buy it. I've got him ranked seventh. Probably two of the guys in front of him won't play 16 games. So if he plays 16 games, he will finish as a top five quarterback. Will he play 16 games? Of if course. If he plays 16 games, he will. It's Carson Wentz. Wait, when does he get <laughs> okay. hurt? If he plays. <laughs> Fantasy football egg, which sounds delicious. Brashad Perryman mm. was the number three wide receiver in the last five weeks of the year. 
Buy or sell that he has sneaky upside, Rashad Perryman. I'll buy it. I like getting him real late in deeper drafts. I'll buy it. Buy or sell from Danny Perez. Adam Thielen will be a top five wide receiver. Sell. I think I have to buy it. Ooh. I, I, I said earlier in the week, like when I changed the Vikings pass volume just a little bit, Thielen moved up to seventh in my PPR rankings. Wow. So now you're going to move him up two more spots? Get him in that top five? Eh, It's close enough. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This one's from Dylan. Buy or sell. Ingram and Dobbins will both be top 24 backs. Sell. Uh, There's a part of me that really would love to say buy for that, but I'm going to sell. I think it's too hard for both of them to do it. It, It's more likely that neither of them do. That's probably Mm. true. Maybe. No, I don't agree with that. I don't agree. Touchdowns. Yeah, it's just... All right, whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh, All right, Ricky Smith. Buy or sell, there will be a receiver worth having from the Ravens that isn't Mark Andrews or Hollywood Brown. Sell. Sell. From Zachary Roth. Buy or sell, Ryan Tannehill will finish as a top 15 player, a top 15 quarterback in six-point per passing touchdown leagues. And DJ Chark will finish top 15 in PPR. And Melvin Gordon will finish top 15 in PPR. Sell, sell, buy. Yeah, what Heath said. From Rook, uh, Rick, buy or sell, Brandon Ayuk leads rookie wide receivers in catches. Sell. Sell, but it's not crazy. It's not crazy. All right. Emails at fantasyfootball.cbsi.com. From Joey C. from Viva Las Vegas. longtime listener. Yeah. How do you guys feel about Austin Hooper this year on the Browns? I don't share that sound. I think he can be okay as a low-end starter. I think he's going to get a lot of touchdowns this year. I want to clarify. Um, No reaction to that, Heath? I just backed you up with the actual... No, that was good, but Dave said he disagreed with me and then said he could be a low-end starter, and I would just say, like, Austin Hooper's been a top five or six tight end the last two years. I agree. If he stays healthy this year, he'll probably finish 11th or 12th. That's just, in my opinion, wah, wah, wah. Yeah. no, see, I would imagine that. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> yeah. That sound means like you're going to be out of the top 15. You're going to suck eggs. You're going to be horrible <laughs> and people are going to laugh at you. Uh, and they're going to laugh at the people who draft Austin Hooper. That's what that sound means to me. I think he's going to be more like, eh, than wah, wah, wah. All right, next email. I'm, I'm having fun. Luis Ramirez from Houston. Hey, Cheapies, DJ Milk, Big Cane, one or two. We don't talk about Cheapies anymore. On uh, the podcast. Cheapies isn't part of it. <laughs> you guys always refer to NFC ADP as a benchmark. I looked it up, and that's the National Football Championship, a high-stakes fantasy football website slash community. Are you doing that to see what the industry is trending towards? Would you recommend for us fantasy players to pay, to pay close attention to this, along with following our favorite fantasy experts? What would be the recommendation aside from picking the players that you believe in and using this NFC ADP? Um, I use that because it is, it is the earliest ADP that is not heavily influenced by whatever site's projections or auto picks. Those yep. people are playing for money early in the year, and it's people that all humans making draft picks. There will come a point when CBS ADP will be mostly what I reference. It will be after Josh Allen's ADP has fallen below 40. 
<laughs> It'll be after the third preseason game, typically. But uh, we don't know. I don't know what the schedule is going to be like this year, like when people are going to draft. I imagine drafts are going to be pretty late this year. They should be yeah. as late as possible. Um, and it's are, not like you have to like find a day where everybody can get together in the same place at the same time. Right. I, I, yeah, and I will say like another thing about drafts that is, I saw some the point someone else make. I mean, I'm in a slow draft right now. Several of my leagues were slow drafts in the past. I am trying to push all of them to not be slow drafts this year um, because yeah. people just sit on the clock for six hours and wait yep. and see if somebody opts out before they pick. Mm. Dra- drafts need to take place all on the same day, if, if at all possible. All right, this is from Rick. Hey, Mark, Craig, Brad, and Austin. Hmm. That feel like this is so gettable. Mark, Craig, Brad, and Austin. I feel like Cleveland Cavaliers. Mark Price, Craig Elo, Brad Doherty, but I don't know if there's an Austin. Austin Carr, was he ever? He played for like 17 teams, so it could yeah, be. Yeah, he might have been on the Cavs. If I got um, that. <laughs> what about the, um, the, could also be Jets, right? Mark Sanchez, Brad Smith, Austin Safarian Jenkins. That seems a little... <laughs> oh, it could be the Mark Craig Consulting LLC in Austin, Texas, according to Google. All right, anyway, <laughs> let's put the illegal lineup debate to bed with two examples. So if you haven't been following, is it okay to bench your DST uh, in, on Monday night so you don't get negative points and win? We've had a debate about it. Uh, the mo- Number one, so he gives two examples of why we're putting this debate to bed. Number one, the movie Hoosiers. In the movie Hoosiers, Gene Hackman benches a player out of principle for not following his instructions. Another player then fouls out, and the ref asks Gene to reinsert Raid back into the lineup. Quote, my team's on the floor, says Coach Gene Hackman. The Hoosiers play with four players. They left Raid on the bench. It's not an illegal lineup. And two, the NFL rulebook. Is there a penalty for only having 10 players on the field? Nope. As long as you have seven guys on the line of scrimmage on offense, you're good to go. I reject this argument. However, referencing Hoosiers is awesome. Good for you. Uh, two more here. Matt from a Chicagoland suburb. Uh, Darian, Illinois. Hey, Max, Clarence, Stephen, and Nils. It's the East Street nice. Band. He pro- oh, yeah. He provided us the answer there, but we should have got yes. it. Yes, we should have. Uh, I decided to test the trade waters for Clyde Edwards Elaire in my Superflex half PPR Dynasty League. I was sent the following offer. I would get Clyde Edwards Elaire, Terry McLaurin, and a 2022 first round pick for Christian McCaffrey. He is getting Christian McCaffrey? No. He's giving up CMC for that package. I would take that package. You'd rather have Edwards Elaire McLaurin and a first round pick? I believe, yes, that's correct. That would definitely be selling high on McCaffrey. I think I would do it too, but I mean, we're putting so much stock into Edward Zelaire being that dude for a long time. Yeah. Long time. All right. This is uh, last one. Petey from a small town in slower, lower Delaware. We've had a lot of like Delaware and Rhode Island type of uh, questions. Don't stall, Dave. Just come up with a damn town. Uh, Loserville. That's where Azer's from. <laughs> hey, Avon, Omar, Stringer, and Bubbles. 
Love listening to you guys. Best football and baseball podcast out. Everyone give five stars and vote. Thank you. Yeah. Draft begins on Friday. 16-team dynasty head-to-head non-PPR league. Super deep league, so just focus on rookies. The best non-rookie available is Sterling Shepard. I need a running back and a wide receiver. Wide receiver more so than running back. I have the first overall pick, then 13th, 14th, and 20th. Who should I take first overall? Who should I target 13th, 14th, and 20th? I know that he said just focus on rookies, but we're all going to say take Clyde number one. I would take Sterling Shepard with either the 13th or 14th pick. If he's there. He probably will be because people are going to be goo-goo for I the think rookies. in our league, I traded the 13th pick for Sterling Shepard. <laughs> that's wild. Yeah, that's that's fine. And I mean, he's got, what, 13, 14, and 20. So he could get Shepard plus another rookie. I I love targeting the rookie receivers that aren't expected to do well this year. Guys like T. Higgins. Um, maybe Michael Pittman is in that conversation. Denzel Mims is in that conversation. Really like trying to get one of those guys who can eventually develop and be a regular number one receiver for their prospective teams. And then at 20, I think you could probably still count on, I don't know if A.J. Dillon will still be there, but Anthony McFarlane should be there. I think he's got some potential. Uh, Zach Moss might be there too. I would go with him, even though the Bills just theoretically, or I guess they did send him home. I don't know if he's sick or not. So you've got some good options. Definitely taking Edwards Hilaire first makes sense. And then mixing in Sterling Shepard with one of your next two picks gives you some safety. Can't complain. That's going to do it for today's show. Special thanks to Ross Tucker, to Dave Richard, Heath Cummings, Ben Schrager, Jamie Eisenberg, Ben Gretsch, everybody. And thanks to all of you for listening. Next week, it's getting serious. Position previews get started later in the week. So, yeah, it's fantasy football time officially. Sorry, baseball. Yeah. Uh, We will talk to you on Monday. Everybody have a great week. And if there's breaking news, you can probably uh, expect to hear a podcast. We'll talk to them. See you later. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.